Well, welcome to week three of, do you know it? Dealing with difficult people. Yep. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate the interaction there. Let's try that again. I feel like everybody, like, you guys are right on top of it, man. Welcome to week three of Dealing with Difficult. There we go. There we go. Thank you so much. My name is Alex Villard. I'm one of the pastors here. We're thrilled that you are here today, whether you've joined us on Facebook. I checked earlier, first service, we had about 30 families that were following us on Facebook, our YouTube channel. Actually, I didn't check the YouTube channel, but basically Facebook and our church platform. Several families here in person. We're thrilled that you're here as we study God's Word together. And today, the topic is manipulators. Would you say that word with me? Manipulators. We're talking about controlling people who are overly controlling, who love to control you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. If you want to follow along, it's the seventh book of the Bible, seventh book of the Bible beginning in Genesis. Now, how many of you would say that you have someone who either in the past or even now in the present, it could be... I don't know, it could be an ex, it could be a, a parent, it could be a child, a friend, someone that, like, if you let them, they're going to control you. Would you raise your hand? Like, if you know somebody that if you let them, and they're going to take over, you know, they're going to control you, they're going to, uh, they're going to take over, and um, yeah, I think a lot of us know people like that. Now, as we get into Judges 16... I want to do a little bit of an experiment, okay? So I want you to lift your right foot, everybody, okay, if you're sitting down, lift your right foot about six inches off the ground, everybody, everybody, come on, come on, come on, come on, all right, not your left one, not your left one, your right foot about six inches off the ground, okay? Everybody good? All right, fantastic, okay, you can put it down, great, great, just wanting to see if I could still manipulate you. Um, <laughs> So, lame joke, I know, I'm sorry. Um, as I looked at this subject of manipulators, people who are overly controlling, I realized there's a lot of places in the Bible that we could go. Um, there is one in Genesis, if you want to write down that reference. Genesis 25, verse 29 through 34. We're not going to look at that story in detail because we don't have time, but in Genesis 25, verse 29 through 34, you have Jacob and Esau, they're brothers. And basically, you have Esau coming off the field and he's starving. The Bible says that he says that he is starving. He's, he's dying, like he's so hungry, he doesn't know what to do. He comes in and Jacob is preparing this huge, like a, like a, a big pot of stew. And Jacob takes advantage of his hungry. Esau comes in. He's like, man, I am starving. I want some of that. And Jacob basically says, I'll give you some of it if you give me your birthright. Like, if you don't know what a birthright was in the Old Testament, it had to do with two things. It had to do with position, and it had to do with inheritance. So if you were the firstborn son, you, once your dad would pass you actually became the leader of the family. That had to do with your position. But also, you would get a double portion of the inheritance. Okay? So Jacob, Esau was the firstborn. So Esau had the birthright. And so he comes from the field. He's starving. Jacob is having this big, huge pot, of like beef stew. And, and, and he, you know, Esau says, like, I am I'm starving. Like, I want some food. And Jacob says, okay, if you want some food, you got to give me your birthright and Jacob 
So basically, he saw a need. He took, um, and basically, he took advantage in a moment of need. He took advantage of his brother. And it's a great story to, like, if you want to learn a little bit more about this subject that we're talking about, look into that story because it's a great case study for this topic. Later on in life, they come together, so great story. Here's another one, another reference for you. If you want to do a little bit of, of homework, maybe later this afternoon or sometime this week, if you want to study a little bit about manipulators. By the way, what happens when I, when I preach the message, like one of the things that I always try to do is I try to point you back to God's word so this moment right here it's just I'm just giving you a little taste so we pick a topic and we go with it I'm just giving you just a little taste so that you just to make you hungry enough so you go after other other um, so you could go into God's word by yourself one of the things that I often say is Download the U version app. If you don't have it, you can you can look at you can look at different translations. You can I mean you can very easily go to any book of the Bible. And I, I want you to know nothing will get you further faster than you getting into God's word. Okay? Like I will man, I can do what I mean I can do like all kinds of things from, from the pulpit, but there's nothing that replaces that time that you spend between you and the Lord. And so that's the reason why as we get started, I, I mean, I could go in so many different directions, but here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to spend some time this week and read some of these passages. Like even the story that we're going to look at today, I would love for you to, in detail, like look at what God is saying, because God will, he will speak to you tenfold you know, like what, what's happening here on Sunday morning. So here, let me give you a, another story about manipulators. Another reference. Mark chapter 6, verse 21 through 26. Mark chapter 6, verse 21 through 26. So you have two women who basically manipulated Herod. So Herod is having a banquet, and these women are dancing, okay? And I don't want to go too far into detail there, but it is not a good thing. Okay, and he is pleased. In fact, he's so entertained that he says, he tells these ladies, well, not really ladies per se, but these women, you know, who were doing something that was inappropriate, dancing, he tells them, I will do whatever you want. And one of the young ladies goes back to her mom and says, what should we ask? And this lady says, this mom says, ask for the head of John the, do you know it? The Baptist asked for his head because John, he came before Jesus came, right? And so John was preaching repentance. He said, that, that was his whole message. Repent, the kingdom of God is a hand. You know, and so, of course, his people were, his women were living in sin. And so they did not like what John was preaching. And he was like, he was, he was having a gathering and people were repenting and they were getting baptized. And so the first chance that they get, they manipulate Herod because this was a public thing. It says, this is what, you said you, you would give us whatever we want? All right, we want the head of John the Baptist. And Herod did not want to do that, but he found himself in a public place, did not want to embarrass himself, and that's how it ended up happening. Great story if you want to learn more about manipulators. So those are two, okay? So Mark chapter 6, verse 21, and then the other one, Jacob and Esau, Genesis 25. Okay, so we're going to be today, we're going to be in Judges. Judges 16, Judges 16, verse 1. It says this. 
It says, one day, this is a story of Samson. You, you know the story a little bit, right, Samson? One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. If you know the story, Samson had a God-given gift. Do you remember what it was? He had super strength, okay? So, like, there are stories in the Bible where he, like, he fought, like, 30 men, and he obliterated them. Uh, there are stories where he grabbed a lion, he, he you know, you know, tore it apart with his bare hands. So God had given Samson supernatural strength more than any other man uh, alive at that time for a purpose, okay? So that was a gift that God gave Samson so that, so that he could deliver God's people from the enemy. Now, let me, let me just say this. God gives all of us gifts and talents for a purpose, and it's not for us. Purpose is not so that we can do better at work, so that we can be better. You know, the purpose, the, the reason for the gift that God gives us is so that we can build his kingdom. It's always about him. It's always about his glory. So if you are here today or if you're following us online, you have a gift that you can use for his kingdom You'd be surprised. There are people at our church that are serving right now. They're not here in person, but they're, they're, they're at home engaging with some of our, our people, some of our families that are not showing up. And so every single one of us, we have a gift, we have a purpose. It's not for us. It's for God's kingdom. It's to build His, His um, kingdom here on earth. And so what I want to encourage you, if you believe in the vision of LifePoint, I want to encourage you to get plugged in. Okay, there's a lot of different ways you can do. There's things you can do throughout the week. There are things you can do on Sundays. There's things you can do if you're a techie person. Um, there's things you can do there. If you're, if you're like a behind-the-scenes person and you're more administrative, there's things that you can do. If, if, you are, uh, if you're a people person and you love, to, you love to talk to people, man, there's plenty of opportunities there. In two weeks, we're going to have something that we call Starting Point. And it's just a one hour with my wife and I. We get to talk a little bit about the vision of the church. And it's a great way. We had to put a stop to it, a kind of a pause because um, of the pandemic. So we were bringing it back in two weeks after the second service. If you want to figure out, okay, Lord, like, okay, I have some gifts. I want to use them. I don't know exactly where. Come to starting point in two weeks after the second service. And, um, and we'll have a conversation about where your place is. Don't go through life wasting the gift okay so God, samson verse 2 verse 2 it says this it says word soon spread that samson was there he was he went to the philistine um, area within full consciousness and so so he was there so the men of gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates and they kept quiet during the night saying to themselves when the light of morning comes, we will, we will what, church? We're going to kill you, okay? So Samson, in full consciousness, even though he's the strongest man, and he has been set aside for a purpose, he's going into enemy ter territory, and these people are planning to kill him. It's like, you're an enemy, we're going to get rid of you, you're, you know, we're going to be done with you soon. Jump to verse 4, it says this, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, we'll talk about that. In a little bit, verse 5, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson 
to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each one of us will give you a hundred, uh, um, eleven hundred pieces of silver. So basically, there's five Philistine rulers. They're all coming to her, and it's that substantial amount of money because each one of them is going to give her eleven hundred pieces of silver. So here's what so here's what it says. Here's where you begin to see what she, um, she begins to do. So Delilah, verse 6, said to Samson, Please tell me, what makes you so strong? And what would it take to tie you up securely? So he's, here's where the manipulation begins. She's trying to find out, like, what, what is the secret to your power? Okay, because you're an unusual human being. I want to find out what, what your secret is. Okay, where, where does the strength lie? Verse 7. Samson replied, If I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I would, have, I would become as weak as anyone else. This whole situation happened multiple times. We're not going to read the whole thing because it's too long and we'll be here forever. But basically what you'll, what you'll see is that time and time again, she's coming to him. She's asking for you know, some, some insight as far as, as far as his strength. He would lie to her. In fact, if you read the story, you're like, okay, who's the manipulator here? Because he's always, you know, every time he was lying to her. You could, there is a case where you could say like, yeah, you know, Samson was actually manipulating her as well. But time and time again, he would lie to her. She would believe the lie. She'd run to the Philistines, and they would, at some point, either at night or he was sleeping, they'd come after him, and because of the strength that he had, he would shake off, you know, whatever man, whoever was, you know, whoever was entangle him, and he would set himself free. Time and time again, the story repeats itself, okay? Now, Look in verse 15. You're going to see your two greatest weapons for a manipulator. This is crazy. Look at this. Verse 15. It says, Then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. It's my best Delilah voice I can give you. Sorry. <laughs> she tormented him, verse 16, with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Like, I mean, in fact, the, the, new, the new King James puts it like this. She pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. I love that. So his soul was, I mean, like she came after him day after day after day till the point like he was just, I'm done. I'm, this is it. Can't handle it anymore. Two of the greatest weapons that a manipulator will use. Threats, Guilt. Threats. You want to work here? You'll do as I say. If you don't do this, I'm leaving you. If you don't tell me, I'm hanging up. If you don't pay more attention to me, I am out. If you do this, I don't know that you'll be with us much longer. Right? It's threats. It's you do this or else. One of the greatest weapons a manipulator will use. Here's the second one. Guilt. If you love me, you do what I say. If, if you know, something like, like after, after all I've done for you, you wouldn't do this one little thing for me? Are you kidding me? 
Sometimes they give you the silent treatment, right? You, you, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking to you, and they kind of let you feel a little guilty, okay? Sometimes it's, uh, thought, I thought we were close. Obviously, we, I can't count on you. If, if you don't do this, I guess we're not as good of friends as we were. It's what Delilah is doing. I, you know, I, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secret with me? Here's, a, here's another form of manipulation. It's, it's what I call spiritual manipulators. Sometimes you'll see that from churches, from preachers, you know, where they'll say something. If you, if you really love Jesus, then you, should, you, should, you ought to behave a certain way. If, you, if you're really a Jesus follower, you should come to church eight, eight times a week. You know, if you really love Jesus, you should tithe. You should do this, right? Like, in fact, they, they stretch the truth, and here's what they'll say. If you want to be blessed, if you want to be wealthy, if you want to get a promotion, this is what you got to do, and they, they try to get you to give, right? That's total manipulation. Jesus did not die for you so that you could be healthy. Jesus did not die for you so you could have more earthly riches. Are you kidding me? You're going to lower him down to that level? And yet, you will hear it in hundreds and possibly thousands of churches where the preacher's asking for money. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And this is what you get. That's what I call spiritual manipulation. You cannot twist the hand of God. Yeah, are you kidding me? Like, he's, he doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your attendance. That should come out of the overflow of the heart. But to say that if you do this, you'll be wealthy. If you do that, you'll be rich. If you do this, you'll get the next prom- promotion. That is a lie from hell. And so that's spiritual manipulation. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to I give you three thoughts on how to break the power of a manip- manipulator, okay? How to break that spirit. So the first one is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, recognize when someone is trying to control you. Recognize when someone is trying to control you. Now, at first glance, you may say, well, duh, come on. Like, yeah, that's an obvious point. Actually, it's not that obvious to a lot of people who are either born or live many years under somebody else's manipulating or controlling hand. For a lot of people, they're in that cycle, and they don't even recognize it for years. You can have their parents tell them. You can have their friends tell them, and they don't see it. And I don't know what it is. I really don't. It, it may be that they, they, they're, I don't know if it's that they don't like disharmony, and they just go with the flow, and they just want to just be a part of it. They don't like conflict. But what I have seen is that there are so many people who find themselves in an abusive situation, whether it's physically, verbally, and they don't see it. And I try to tell them, and other people try to tell them, and we pray for them, but they find themselves in this place and they don't recognize it. That it's not normal. Not just not normal, but it's dysfunctional. And so you look at Samson there, and this is why I tell you, you gotta read the story on your own, okay? Because four times... She's coming after him. And really, like, when you read this story, you, I, you cannot but think, like, Samson, she just did this to you, like, 
You know, and I don't know if it's, if it's just the way the story is told, but it's, you're, you're reading it, and you're like, Samson, she just did that, this to you. Why are you going to fall for it again? And it happens. And then the story, it happens again and again and again. And so here's what I want to encourage you with. If you have been there, or you feel a little bit of guilt, and you're thinking, man, I cannot believe I let my ex control me, manipulate me for all of these years, and you feel like your life is ruined, or you feel alone, or you feel like less than, I want, I want to encourage you this morning, you're not alone. Samson, the strongest man, fell for it time and time again. So how do you recognize it? How do you recognize when someone, when you're being over, when somebody's manipulating you or being overly controlling you do what Jesus did. Let me give you another reference for later if you want to study this later. Matthew 16, verse 22. Uh, another passage where you see somebody being a manipulator. Matthew 16, verse 22. Jesus is telling his disciples, basically, he's, it's towards the end of his time here on earth, and he's telling them, in fact, the Bible says plainly. So he's telling them, he's not like using parables. He's, not, he's just telling them like with just simple truth. He's telling them, I got to go to Jerusalem. When I get to Jerusalem, <clears throat> I'm going to be punished by the elders, by the religious leaders. I'm going to end up on the cross. And then I'm going to die. The third day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back from the dead. Okay? And he's telling them, as, the Bible says, it says, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. The elders and the leaders of the church, the church in Jerusalem, were going to, you know, entrap him. Going to end up on a cross, going to die. The third day, he's going to come back from the dead. And Peter, in verse 22, Peter, listen to what he does. Peter, the same Peter who walked with Jesus, the same Peter that saw Jesus multiply the bread and the fish, the same Jesus that when, when Jesus called Peter, like, man, he's, his boat almost drowned of so many fish that he caught. The same Peter has the guts to say, basically, to Jesus. He takes him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Now watch this. Peter did what? He took him what? Aside. Manipulators often lose power in groups. So one way to recognize them is they, they, will, they will corner you after the meeting or before the meeting or they'll come to you out of nowhere. In fact, I have a friend who just told me this last week. This happened, happened to him. This individual, he didn't even know the individual, wanted to go after after him and instead of meeting in a group setting basically corner him at a gas station out of nowhere the guy's from a different town and he goes after him why is that because manipulators lose power in groups some are predators some are very calculated some do it unintentionally. So Peter, in this case, I don't think that he's doing this intentionally. He just wants his own will. He wants his, he wants his plan to be done, not the Lord's, right? And so <clears throat> he's just like, man, no, it's not going to happen, Lord, you know, whatever. And so I don't think that he was being a predator in that situation. I think it was in unintentionally. Here's another thing they do. If you want to recognize them, watch what they do, because sometimes the favors that they throw your way are actually a way of them to try to get you to, 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 to twist your arm a little bit. I, I heard about a story recently. This lady in Ohio, uh, she was dubbed the, the cleaning fairy by the media. She would literally go and break into homes 
okay, and clean them, okay, and like my wife would love this lady, you know, like literally she would just break into different homes and just clean them and then just leave, you know, and, and so um, she actually was arrested because she was shoveling um, some snow from somebody's driveway um, and they, like, without permission, okay? And, and so she had a, a, a search, um, an outstanding warrant, basically, because a year earlier, she went into somebody's home, true story, went into somebody's home, cleaned the whole house, left a little note with her name and phone number attached saying, hey, you owe me $75, okay? So the, the owner comes home, and she calls her, and she says, hey, listen, I think that you picked the wrong house because I did not ask anybody to clean my house. And the lady says, oh, no, 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 no. I thought I was doing you a favor. I thought I was doing you a favor. Of course, the owners that got their homes breaking into and the police they saw more of an intrusion than a favor and so when a manipulator is trying to sugarcoat things in your life and trying to do things you got to be very careful it's hard to discern but favors don't come with with little with little strings attached you think of our salvation right biggest favor right like God's favor on us I mean what greater than salvation and God doesn't force himself on us revelation chapter 3 what does he say I stand at the door and knock this is Jesus this is the savior of the world it's like I come to your your home and I knock I come to your heart and I knock but if you don't open your heart to me I'm not forced I'm not kicking the door in and so Jesus Christ himself doesn't force himself on you. And so when somebody is coming after you and they're doing little favors here and there, just, just be very, very cautious. So manipulators, they lose power in groups. Some of them are predators, very calculated. You have to be very careful. Some of them do it with favors to get their way. How do you know you're being manipulated? Let me give you just a couple of thoughts here. You can't say no to them. You can't say no. You always feel guilty. So you can't have fun with anybody else. They demand exclusive loyalty. You feel ultimately responsible, like you have this fear of letting them down. Um, you compromise your values to please them. Sometimes they have to do with sex. Sometimes it's your integrity. You throw down the, 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 the drain. Sometimes it's your standards. So how do you know that you're being manipulated? That's how you know. Okay, you feel guilty, you, you know, they require your exclusive attention 24-7, you know, you're ultimately responsible for whatever happens to them. Now, how do you break that? How do you break the power of manipulation? Number one, you're going to recognize, that's number one. Number two, you're going to do what Jesus did, okay? Not what Samson did, Samson should have done what Jesus did, but he didn't. But you're going to do what Jesus did. Look at the very next verse. So Jesus turns to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. So how do you break the power of manipulation? Number one, you're going to recognize it. Number two, you're going to call them Satan, okay? I'm just joking. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, maybe, I mean, if you want to, King James will, will do the trick. You know, get thee behind me, Satan! That'll, that'll, you know, they'll run from you for other reasons, okay? Not encouraging you to do that, okay? 
Here's what you do. You say this with words and with actions. Let's put up the next point. Here's what you learn to say. You're not going to do this. It's not going to work. Let's put up the next point. It's not going to work. Now, it's important that you say it, but it's not just with words, but with actions. Because what often happens is we'll say it, but our actions end us back in the same place. Okay, so you when your manipulator comes your way and they're trying to control you, what you're going to do is you're going to tell them you're going to you're going to draw the line in the sand. You're going to say, "Nobody, not anymore. It's not going to work on me." Okay, let's all say that together. It's not going to work. Let's all say it. Ready? One, two, three. It's not to work. Fantastic. You guys are doing a great job. This will be this will go so fast. We'll we'll be here out of out of uh, out of out of here in no time. Okay. It's not going to work. Now, going back to, going back to Judges 16, 16, it says this, that Delilah tormented him. Other translations use the word pestered, nagged him day after day after day until he was sick, right? Like, we only see four times, but it's, it was day after day after day. And what that tells me, if you look at the contrast between how Jesus dealt with the manipulator and how Samson dealt with it, like, total opposing, right? Totally different. Jesus put a stop to it. Samson kind of played, he flirted with her a little bit, you know. Day after day after day, you know, he'd kind of do one thing and he would lie and he would do this and, you know. And, and what that tells me is that he did not put a stop to it. He did not use those words. He did not say, you know what, it's, it's it, it's over. Samson, the strongest man in the land, let it happen day after day after day and that's on him. So, so here's, here's something I, I want to share with you. When someone, and I hope you, I hope you get my heart here, okay? Because I know some of you, you've been under that, that spirit of manipulation for so long that you don't see it, and I, I get the hurt, and I, I know, I know where, where you're at, okay? I've seen it enough in people, but I want you to get this. When someone is controlling you, you are committing the sin of idolatry. Okay? When you listen to me. When somebody has got their hands on you, you are committing the sin of idolatry. Earlier, earlier, last service, I said adultery. Everybody was looking at me like, what? You know? Idolatry. Idolatry. Only God should have control of your life. Right? Because essentially, when you, what, what is idolatry? Idolatry is when you take anything and you, you raise it up. You raise their importance up and you put them on the throne. Listen, that person is not that important. But what we do is by allowing them to manipulate us, what we're doing is we, we might as well give them a crown and a scepter because we're allowing them to rule over us. We might as well just bow down to them. And so when you, and I, I, I get it, I'm not saying that it's easy, okay? But I, I want you to get a little bit of courage and confidence from God's word. When you allow someone else to control you, you're committing the sin of, what? Not adultery, but idolatry. Because only God should have control of your life. No one else should have control of your life. Look in verse 16. Look in verse 16. 
Nobody else should have control of your life. Not your children, not your boss, not your parents, unless you're under the roof, uh, not your ex. Samson did the opposite. Delilah became more important to him than God. Look in verse 17. We're almost done. Samson said, uh, finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I dedicated to God. I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. So what, what do you think Delilah is going to do right after he said that? Same thing, right? Story repeats once more. She goes to the Philistines. They come after him. Verse 20, it says, Samson thought he could just shake himself free, but instead he didn't realize that God's strength had left him. Let me challenge you with this. Don't go through life ignoring the power of God in your life so much so that you allow others to control you in such a way that you're going to wake up one day like Samson and realize like, oh, my, his strength is not there anymore. Don't go through life ignoring the power of God in your life and giving it to others in such a way that one day you'll wake up and it's like, man, it's not there. The gift is not there anymore. The strength is not there anymore. So how do you, how do you break that? You recognize it. Number two, you're going to say it's not going to work with words and action. I'm not going to let somebody else control my life. I'm not going to commit the sin of idolatry. Number three, we'll close with this. I'm going to ask the worship team to get on stage. Number three, you're going to remember why you were created. Go back to the basics. Why were you created? Um, This is one thing that Samson did do that was the right thing. There's a lot of things he didn't do right. When it came to this, it was the right call. It says that Samson was born to set God's people free, to deliver them from the enemy. He was not faithful for a while, and so he tells Delilah, this time, verse 20, the Bible says his strength left him, God's strength left him, and they come after him, and they, they capture him as a prisoner. And you know what happened? Do you know the story? They went after his eyes. You know the story? They gouge out his eyes. In fact, there's a lot of commentators that say that, that the Philistines would do this. They would take your eyes, and they would burn them, and they would celebrate, and they would worship different gods, different pagan gods, and they had different um, rituals that they would do. But Samson finds himself shackled. Um, they, they put him, you know, the Philistines are worshiping this pagan god, He's grinding. He's attached to this big wooden grind, which is the, what the, an animal, what the ox would do, right? And so he's doing the job of an animal. And at this point, I'm sure he thought, man, I blew it. I'm sure at this point he thought, man, I've wasted all those years, the gift, the talents. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. I know I have. There's been times when I've said, man, I cannot believe I did that. And you feel the shame. You feel the embarrassment. You've been a people pleaser. You've lowered your standards. You let your ex or whoever control you. And if you've ever been there, I hope the next verses really speak to your heart. Let God speak to you for a moment. Verse 23, we're almost done. 
Now the rulers of the Philistines assemble to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And let me kind of unpack that real quick. So it says they're at a temple. It's more of a, it looks like a Colosseum. So I don't know what comes to mind when you think of a temple, but it looks like a, like a Colosseum. There's a big open space. There's huge pillars. There's sitting. In fact, it says that there's about 3,000 men and women. Some people think that maybe up to four or 5,000 places packed. And, and they're worshiping this God, uh, Dagon. I think I have a picture um, on the screen. It's sort of like, it's got a, the, the head of a man and the body of a fish. They're sacrificing, praising this man fish. And you got to put yourself in his position. It doesn't get any lower than this. Samson was completely and totally 100% humiliated. He was embarrassed in front of the enemy. He had failed massively. In his mind, he was a failure. But look at this, verse 25, 26. So they stood him among the pillars, and Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can what? Where I can feel the pillars. Remember, he can't see, right? He says, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I can lean against them. And I think it's at this point that he remembered his purpose. I think it's, it's at this point where, where he's asking the servant, okay, put me right next to the pillars so I can feel them. It's at this point that I think he remembers he was born for more. That the past is the past and it doesn't have to define him as a human being because God has given him a thought. God has given, God has prompted him enough to say, you know what, this is it. This is not the end. And at that moment, he remembers that his very birth was a miracle. He was born to parents who could not, you know, the son, a son to parents who were childless. In that moment, he remembers, I'm not an animal. I should not be doing what this, you know, attached to this grind and, and shackles. I was created for more. And my hope is that this morning you would remember that you were also created for more. And regardless of what has happened in the past, there is a specific purpose. There's significance to your life. Verse 28, and we're done. So he's holding on to the pillars. Most of the governing leadership was there, thousands of people. In verse 28, Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, Remember me. Oh God, please strengthen me. Just, I love this prayer. Just once more. I cannot tell you the number of times I pray that. Oh God, forgive me just one more time. Just once more, God, give me your strength to face the enemy. Just once more, God, would you find it in your mercy? And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, just want to just want to tell you maybe you need to say those words God strengthen me just one more time Father 
I'm not asking for a thousand more. God, just one more time. I don't need a thousand more options, a thousand more opportunities. God, I just need just one more. And it says that in verse 29, he grabbed onto those pillars, pushed him down, temple came on him. And on the day that he died, he gave his life. On the day that he died, more of God's enemies died than the rest of all of his life combined. God used that single moment in a greater way than the rest of his faithfulness because of God's grace was enough in that moment. And his legacy was changed in that second. And if you read, if you fast forward to the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11, you find Samson in the chapter, we call it the chapter of faith, Hebrews 11. And he's with Abraham, he's with Moses, he's with, he's with Joseph, not because he had the cleanest record, not because he played it safe, not because he was recognized in the, the hall of law keeping fame, but because in that moment he remembered, God, I was created for more. And even if I give my life for you in this very moment, you can take this second and make more out of it than what I've done all those years that I've been unfaithful to you. So will you, this morning, will you, will you do that today? Will you remember why you were created? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 24, 16. It says, the righteous man falls seven times, yet he gets up. I love that. I need that verse. The righteous woman falls seven times, yet she gets up. It's not in the falling down, it's in the getting back up. And so would you remember who you were created to be? Regardless of who or what has manipulated in the past, would you recognize it? Would you communicate to that person with words and with action, it's not going to work? I'm not going to commit the sin of idolatry? And we just, just surrender. Lay down the law, the law if you have to. You know, if you need to tell him, look, this is it. Like Jesus, you know, I'm not. This is not going to happen anymore. Father God, we come before you. And I don't know how people either here in the room or online need to hear this message, Father. But I pray that we would be set free, God that we would recognize that the only one should control our lives is you. And so God, help us to have the boldness and the courage that Jesus Christ had to look at his disciple and even call him Satan. Whoa! God, help us to have that kind of courage, that kind of boldness. I know we like peace. I know we don't like conflict. I don't, we don't like disharmony. But God, for those of us who have been manipulated, who've been under the hand of somebody who's, who does not show God's grace and God's love in a proper way. God, when we, may we come under that and may we surrender control to you. God, for those of us who, who feel like Samson and it's like we feel hopeless, we feel like it's the end, like, I, you know, this is, it's too long. It's, you know, I can't, you know, and I have all this baggage, Pastor Alex. Would you be a Samson today? 
Would you just say, God, one more time, God. I just need one more time. I'll make the call. I'll set up the meeting. I'll write the email. God, this is it. This is it. I'm done. Father, we come before you. We ask you for strength, for guidance, for discernment. We love you today. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.